Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. One thing we're excited about in this church, if, you're, if you've been around for a very long time, is, uh, is, is running after God. A lot of people ask you, what's your vision? And we, and we have some vision. We have our mission statement. We, we came up with it as a team. Um, but I think at the core of who we are, we're hungry. We're hungry for God. Um, and uh, I, I don't think we've ever tried to apologize for that. Um, it, it, being hungry for God looks a little different. It, uh, it doesn't always look the same also. Oh. Um, but we are. We're, 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 we're hungry. We're excited to experience more of God in our lives. Um, I'm not to say other people are not, but that's who we are. And I want, I want you to know that going after God looks different depending on your personality. I don't know if you knew that or not. People are different, right? If you haven't figured it out, you did a few minutes ago when you were praying, right? Wow, that person jumped in quick, didn't he? <laughs> or like, how, how come he's not saying anything? We're different, right? We're just different. We have different strengths, different personalities. One of the things I used to do um, when I finished ministry school was I got trained in a strength assessment, a personality assessment. And over the course of maybe five years, I've done probably realistically around three to four hundred one-hour sessions with people where I sit down and we talk about what makes them amazing. It's a really good job for me. Um, I'm a bit of a cheerleader, so I just love looking at people's strengths and not their weaknesses. Um, and, and so I've learned more than most people, I think, how different and dynamically different we all are. Um, you know, I look at Kenji. Kenji and I are really different. You hang out with us for very long, and you're going to recognize how different we are. But dang it, we're amazing. And, and he's amazing, and I'm amazing, and, and Jay's amazing. We're all amazing. We, we, we are. Jesus is in us, and he thought we were worth the world, and so we can put our value on that one right now. But we're different, right? And although we all look like Christ, we're, we're called to be like Christ, we're not actually called to have personalities just like Christ does. Because if we all look like Christ, we'd all look the same, and you wouldn't be the hand anymore. You'd be the head, and you'd be the head, and you'd be the head, and you'd be the head. You, you get my point? We're different. You're the hand, you're the foot, you're the ear, you're the, you're the elbow, you're the, you're the mole, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we don't talk about the moles, do we? No, I'm just playing. Um, <laughs> who's the fingernail? That's what I want to know. All right. So, but we're different. We have different roles. We have different... And, and I think sometimes we forget how radically different we are when we start talking about being hungry for God and prayer. Like your prayer life should look radically different than your prayer life. If it doesn't, it's possible that you've, 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 you've denied yourself to look like somebody else because you thought they were better. Nobody does that, I'm sure of it. But, but if we did, if we did compare ourselves to somebody else, and if we did get insecure when we didn't feel we, we measured up to this amazing man of God next to us, that's why, okay? So what does it look like to go after God and be different? To not be like everybody else? Because the biggest thing that's gonna shut down a move of God is all of us trying to be like one person, Right? And here's the beauty. Here's the, here's the beauty of God is that he's designed us to be like this fragrant garden 
where we're all a different plant. We're like wildflowers, if you can imagine. And every flower is like just its own, its own thing. And no, we're not lined up in rows. And, and no, we're not all these pretty beautiful roses. And we're not all these dandelions. We're different. When I, when I first, when the, when the iPhone first came out, all right, by the way, just going to give you, I'm going to share a lot of fun stories today, all right? There'll be some scriptures too, I promise, but I, my wife told me to share more stories, so I'm trying to listen to her. So when the iPhone first came out, I remember thinking about my buddies like, I'm waiting for the iPhone. I'm like, what do you mean the iPhone? I didn't have a Mac. I didn't care about Macs. I was a PC guy at the time. And so my buddies like, the iPhone's coming. I'm like, dude, I ain't touching that thing. One, it's way too expensive. But two, like, I mean, it's just going to, I mean, that's going to be a fad. It's going to be a gimmick, whatever. Anyway, the iPhone comes out. Of course, it is not a fad. It is not a gimmick. I, when did it come out? In like 2005, something like that? Maybe before that. I had my Blackberry. How many of you guys had Blackberries? Come on. The keys actually move. They click. They click. It's like this tactile-like sensation. It's beautiful. And so, remember they had the touch screen, the screens that were kind of clicky too, because they thought we wouldn't be able to get rid of our clicks? All right. Anyway, I remember it came out. And I was like, I am, and here's what I learned, guys. I'm not an early adopter. I'm not an early adopter. I'm not the one that runs out in front and buys that newest thing. Um, I kind of want to sometimes when it's technology, but I, I tend to let things like work itself out a little bit. Um, it's just, there's a part of that that feels a little risky for me. Okay, so what do I do? I wait for things to start becoming normal. I'm like, oh yeah, now I got that. And so I remember the day I went and got my first iPhone. How many of you guys remember your first day? Do you remember that day? I was like, yeah, I was four. Shut up. <laughs> so I remember the day I, was, I went to go with the iPhone. It was an iPhone 3GS, all right? And the S stood for really fast, right? It was like... And, and, and why was it 3G? Because 3G was a thing then, right? That was like slower. It's not LTE or blazing whatever fast. It was like 3GE. And I remember getting it and looking. I'm like, geez, I finally got it. This is amazing. I felt a little, a little bit rebellious because I was like, I was doing something brand new. I was a new type of phone. Anyway, side note. So some of us, some of us are, 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 are late adopters. How many of you guys are, you're that person that like, that you're going to try something before anybody else does. Like, I don't need anybody else to see this done before. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go after that. How many of you guys, that's you. I'm an early adopter. Maybe call yourself a pioneer if you want to feel really good about yourself. Right? Yeah, there's a handful of us. Not a ton of people. Those people are a little scary. They're a little scary, but like we said, if you're in your comfort zone, you don't need a comforter, right? So we need those people. We need those people. How many of you guys are a little bit more like me's? I don't know what level, but you're not a first, you're a late adopter. You're like maybe in the middle somewhere, right? And how many of you guys are really late adopters? Like you're going to wait. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your high pride there. Yeah, amen. There's a few of us. So it's, what I, I saw this one thing. It's like a bell curve, right? You've got the early adopters, then you've got the prime, the majority of culture, and then you've got the people at the end that are, uh, they just, they may have got to make sure this thing is right before I take it on. It's no different in our faith because we're going to filter everything we do through who we are. Okay, now I'm not talking about dysfunctions and bad habits. I'm talking about how you're naturally designed, okay? Because I've got all sorts of those also that I know aren't, aren't, aren't functional. But with, with a move of God, it's no different. It's no different. It's, there's going to be a lot of us that are waiting for somebody else to show us what's possible with God. 
And I remember, like, I got saved um, right out of high school and um, uh, through Young Life. You And um, I'm on Young Life. <laughs> Actually. And I, I got saved. Uh, and uh, I'm going to share a lot of stuff. I'm just going to keep telling you not to judge me. But I, got, I went to Young Life because I wanted to meet girls and I liked singing. Um, and it took a while to convince me to go. But I finally did. Got saved at, uh, up at Malibu, a camp in Canada. Woo! And um, which, uh, side note, my wife, before I met her, was at that same camp a month before I was there. I didn't find, I mean, that was like six years before we met. No, it was longer than that. It was like, anyway, crazy story. So I saw the picture of, anyway, that's a, I saw the picture of her at the camp one day we were meeting some of her friends, family friends. And I was like, oh, I've been to Malibu. She's like, I've been to Malibu. When did you go? Anyway, which is weird because California people don't go up to Canada and go to Young Life Camp. So it was a, it was a powerful thing. We were meant for each other. And there's no theology I'm going to make about that, all right? Just date people. It's great. Go for it. Um, but what if I'm not meant for them? I don't know. Figure it out. Um, date them, kiss them. I don't know. Uh, <gasps> you don't want to know my, uh, my opinion on dating. Okay. <laughs> Sammy's like, yes, we do. Um, some of the time. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. I'm, I'm working really hard to stay off of rabbit trails today. So I got saved, went to college at uh, University of Washington up in Seattle, um, lived with a non-Christian friend of mine. Nothing changed in my life almost, except there was a couple things I knew I couldn't do now because I was technically a Christian, but I didn't know what that meant. So if you want to talk about late adopter, it took me four years to open this book. Four years. You're like, you know, don't judge me. Don't look at me that way. I was a Christian, I promise. Um, but I just didn't have any value for it. I didn't understand it. It put me to sleep, so I put it down. I was a late adopter. It took a while for me to see the value of what was in this book, right? And how many of you guys know God wasn't like radically offended by me, right? He wasn't like on the edge of his throne going, I'm afraid he's going to lose his salvation, so the next three years, I lived with a bunch of Christian guys in college in a big house, 50 of them. And it was an old sorority house that was no longer a sorority. Don't judge me. And, and we're a bunch of Christian guys. And you know what? Like, we did silly things as Christian men that we didn't know we weren't supposed to do. And, you know, went gambling, and we had a house meeting about that. Went, I won't tell you this stuff. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna have any messes to clean up. I don't want any messes to clean up. All right, so... So I did, so we went through four years, three years of the, of, the, of the house, and I felt really good about my, my insulation of Christian men. And then I joined the Navy, and I was in there for nine years total, but when I first got in the Navy, I realized my insulation is gone. Because, and if you don't know this, it's, 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 it's mostly true for me. I don't know if everybody, but the Navy is not this Christian, like, encouraging force of love that, that, that held me in my Christian bubble, okay? Uh, there, there, were, there were many... There were many, many trials um, being a Christian. And, and so it, it was in that, though, um, that I was taken to a place of, like, I needed God. And so I knew I had to find God. I had to reach out. I had to, I had to start getting serious about my faith because my, all my insulations, all my comfort zones were, were, in, were, were back there. Do you guys have any comfort zones right now? You got some of you guys feeling really comfortable in your Christian faith and not feeling you have to do any risk or maybe you don't need a comforter. 
I'm just throwing that out there. I'm not trying to convict people, but I'm trying to convict people. And so I had lots of comfort. Didn't need a comforter. Check. Didn't know who the comforter was either, though. I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. So then I'm in the Navy, and I get hungry for God. How did I get hungry for God? I saw somebody else more hungry than me. Because remember, I'm not the early person. I'm a medium adopter. And so I'm waiting, I'm, I'm waiting to see what are people around me going to do. Is this right? I don't know. But it's who I am, right? Like sometimes I'll adopt something early, but it's just how I'm made. Some of you guys are made that way. Some of you guys are not. The reality is we're all really different. And so some of you guys, you're going you're to hear a thought about God that he puts in your head and you're going to run after it and nobody else is doing it. And I just salute you. That's amazing. I ended up going to San Diego and I got on fire for God and I met, I started going to a church, young person, really wild, fun um, for a church um, down in San Diego. I loved it. And then I met this guy named Eddie Brown. Most of you guys don't know who Eddie is. He's a good friend of mine. Spencer knows him. And I, 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 right away, I didn't like him. I just, I just didn't like him. He was, he was kind of a strong, kind of came on kind of strong. He was one of those early adopter people. You know who you are. And, and he came on a little too strong for me, and I was a little insecure about myself still. And um, I, I think he was, he was telling me stories about God showing up, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, you're not safe, right? And the reality is I was just insecure, so we had to figure that out. So after a while, <laughs> hear me, that was my problem, right? Okay. So after a while, we, started, we just started hanging out, and it just worked. He was actually in the Navy too, so we had a little, com- little in common there. But he was more radical than I was for God. I was still learning about this comfort zone and getting out of it a little bit. But here comes somebody that was way outside my comfort zone. But I was jealous for God. I was jealous for him. I was hungry. I, was, I, was, I saw something I had never seen before. And it was like a new iPhone that I wasn't sure I wanted yet. But it looked good. It looked right. It looked real. It felt real in my heart. He has a relationship with God that I do not have, and I want it. And so I started hanging out with him, right? Because that's what you got to do. You got you to go after uncomfortable places. And we started, literally, we were just adventures all over. Jesse and, and, and Eddie adventures everywhere. So we'd go to, and he'd take me anywhere we're going, like crazy worship was happening, okay? Let me, let me tell you, can I share a few Eddie and Jesse stories? So hopefully you'll, you'll enjoy them. So the, we, one, one day, this, this is my buddy. He, he, uh, he had this old beat-up Jeep Grand Cherokee, okay? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. And it was before they looked really nice. They, they didn't look as nice back then. But they, he, on the back of it, now picture a dirty Jeep Grand Cherokee. And on the back with, with window paint, he had Jesus loves you, big letters in the back. And on the side, it was like fire of God and you need Jesus and and you got to understand, like, this is not me. Like, this is not who I am. I am not that, right? I am not. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And I don't really like, I'm like trying to figure out like who I'm. Anyway, so this all made me very uncomfortable. And so one day he's like, Jesse, let's go downtown and evangelize. And I'm like, that's a great idea. That's, yeah, let's do that. Because if you're a Christian, someone says that you can't say no. Right? Like, what do you, no, I do not want to tell people about Jesus. Somewhere I've learned I have to say yes, so I'm going to say yes. And I'm not saying you can't, so you can't say yes, but I, I was radically afraid. Sometimes you just got to do it afraid, okay? And so I said, yes, let's do that. That sounds great. So I'm in the back seat in downtown San Diego, 
old Jeep Grand Cherokee with Jesus saves, I mean, just everything else you can imagine. I think he even painted a picture of fire on the back of his window because that was going to help people. And <laughs> why do we do this stuff? Because we're, we're passionate. And so I'm in the back seat, like, but not in the back. I'm like in the back seat, like hoping nobody sees me because it's a Navy town and I'm a Navy officer and I don't want my people that I'm leading to see me and think of me weird. And dude, I was a mess back then, guys. Like I was all into me. Anyway, side note. So if that's you, take hope. So we're, 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 we're in the backseat. I've grown a lot, okay? And we're in the backseat. I'm in the backseat. He's in the front with another guy. And, and, um, and we're driving at night on a Friday night up 4th Avenue in San Diego. That's the, that's the main drag, okay? Bars everywhere. It's, I mean, it's San Diego. It's a big town, right? Big evening town. And, and we're driving there with, with all the lettering. And I'm sitting in the backseat. The windows are rolled down. And he turns on, which wasn't a new thing. I knew it was coming. And he turned on his CD player, blasting it loud. And it was Charleston Heston reads the Bible. <laughs> and so we're driving down friggin' 4th Street. And I'm in the back, slouched down, hoping nobody sees me. And it's like, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was... <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm just like, oh, Jesus. And then Jesus said... And I'm just like, oh, no. <laughs> We're going to upset a lot of people. And <laughs> I would never have done that. I would never have done that. How many of you guys would never have done that, right? Like, come on. So that was... And, and, and then we'd get out and we'd go talk to people which was a little bit more my speed, but still, like, you do it. I'll watch. I remember, I, I, I always find these radical people, I think. It's just part of my gifting. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember I was, in, I was in Ocean Beach, and I was meeting with a guy. Um, I think his last name was Batchelder. He was in the, he was in the uh, Coast Guard. And we were hanging out, and it was on a Sunday morning. Maybe it was a Saturday morning. And we were just walking around, and, and I said, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, oh, it's good to see you. We just, I just happened happen to run into him. Hey, I'm, we're, I'm about to go meet up with this group um, and, and read the Word together. I'm like, that sounds great. I love the Bible studies. I'm thinking safe, nice, and right? Like, I, I love the Word. You know, it's great. So we walk over there, and, and the guy, this guy, this homeless guy named Ija is a guy that I got to know a little bit down there. It's really neat, gnarly dreads everywhere, but man of God. And he's talking to a group of people that we now joined. And he says, okay, great. I'm glad you're here. This is going to be exciting. All right, you and you, you can walk, you can go over there and you can read on those steps. Uh, uh, Batch, uh, you and Jesse, why don't you guys go over there and, and I'll take this person over here. And so we, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more uncomfortable, but the more I understand what's about to happen. And so we, we get to a place where, so, he's, so Batch and I come over here and he's, he's like, okay, do you want to read first or do you want me to? And I'm like, what's about to happen? And he's like, and he's like, oh, we're, we're just going to read the word to people on the, on the, they've already heard all my stories. And so, and so we, we get up on the boardwalk, the ledge here, right? And we're standing in front of everybody walking by. Now, some of you guys, you're like, this is awesome. I want to do that. I wasn't like that, right? I am not that person. And so we're, so he, I'm like, you go first, man. <laughs> Maybe it'll help me. And so he just starts opening the Bible and reading it out loud. And some of you guys are like, well, what's wrong with that? Listen, I was freaked out of my mind because I was all into me. I was worried people were going to think about me. But this was my journey to getting into radical places. I radically needed a comforter. 
I really, really needed God to show up to make me. And so when I, he's like, now your turn. I'm like, yes, okay, I'll do it. And, you know, just say yes sometimes. But can I do it from down here? Do not, can I not stand up there? <laughs> so I, I opened the word and I read it. And I, I don't know if it was that anointed or what, but I did it. I did it. And listen, guys, running after God is not a comfortable thing. Even for those people that are forerunners that, that seem to jump into those places, there's still places of scariness. And I want to I share a little bit on just some thoughts on how we can run after God together. Whether you're here for a day or a weekend or whatever, like we have to learn how to, how to run after God and not, and not, not stop. And I want to tell you, like, take hope that you're different. You're running after God will look different than Kenji's, than mine, than Tim's, than, than Michael. Like, it'll look different. I wanted to say a couple things, three things that I wanted, I wanted to point someone to hit, just so there's a little bit of a structure, because I like structure. So I have three, three thoughts that I want to throw out to you. There's probably more, but three keys to staying in a place of growth with the Father, with God, okay? And the first one, I, uh, the, the three are this one. One, say, say, stay unoffended. Stay unoffended. Say, stay hungry. Stay hungry. And stay curious. stay curious. So the first one is stay unoffended. Matthew eleven two six. 6, so is this, is when John, when John, so John the Baptist, talking about John the Baptist here, is, this isn't John the, uh, you know, the disciple, so this is John the Baptist, he, he just had this whole great run of being the lead forerunner in, in, in the ministry of God, and Jesus comes on the scene to get baptized from him, and he notices immediately, you're the one I'm preparing the way for, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even it's not even safe for me to, to tie your shoelaces, Right? Like he recognizes, like, you're the one, you're the Messiah, you're coming. This is going to be awesome. The new kingdom, right? The, 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 the Jews were waiting for a new king to usurp the, the Romans and all this stuff. So John is in jail. John is, 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 in, is in a different place than he thought he would find himself in. But John, went, who was in prison, and he heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, ask Jesus. And he says this, he says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Right? Like you can read it like that way because he's, we know he's offended and we'll read that in a second. But John sends a message to Jesus and says, hey, just, just, just to get things clear, you're the one, right? Or should I expect somebody else? Now, why would he say that? Because he's confused. He's confused because what he thought it would look like for the king to return doesn't look like what he thought it would look like. He had a different impression of what would happen when Jesus comes on the scene and now he's in prison? Jesus, are you sure you're the one? And so Jesus, he says this. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, and those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So you have to understand, like this is, John is in prison, offended. He's frustrated. He's, he's probably a little angry if he were to be a little honest with himself, Right? 
He's angry because he's, he's, he's seeing something that doesn't look like God. And he's like, that doesn't look like God to me. Jesus, are you sure you're the one? One Eddie story, and Eddie and Jesse's story happened when we were driving up to San Francisco um, in an F-150 truck because they didn't have anything else for us to rent. So we're in this new F-150 truck, just, just blinging, going up to San Francisco, and there's a whole lot more stories behind that trip. But the one I wanted to bring up is, Eddie says, hey, my, my friend Heidi Baker is going to be speaking two and a half hours away in Vacaville. We should go. I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I don't even know what charismatic even means. I've never been to, an, to a, 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 a Pentecostal church. I had, had no view, right? I had like young life and girls. Like that's all I knew. Like girl, right? Like I, I, my history was not deep with the Lord. So I'm still learning. I'm growing. I'm hungry. And I say, yeah, sure, let's do it. What's another two and a half hours after what, 12 hours? And so we drive to this meeting and, <laughs> and, and we get there. You got to say, like, I have not seen anything like that did not look safe and like Baptist. I don't know what to say. Like whatever safety looks like. So like I, I had no idea what this looked like. So I'm in a Heidi Baker meeting. If you don't know who Heidi Baker is, she, one Googler, whatever. But um, Heidi Baker is this little small woman from Laguna Beach, little blonde woman, blue eyed from Laguna Beach that ended up in Mozambique and is seeing crazy miracles and testimonies. But it didn't start that way. Uh, but she eventually is this place where she's just encountering God. And so I, if, and by the way, the Heidi Baker back then, this is in 2004, is a different Heidi Baker than now. Like she was a bigger mess on the floor. Right, John? Like if you know John, Heidi back then, she was just a mess. So literally this is how she would preach. She'd be on the floor doing worship up front, which isn't abnormal, but she couldn't get up. And so the people running the service, they'd be like, hey, it's, it's your turn to speak. Here's the microphone. They'd put it down next to her, hoping she'd get up and start preaching. She didn't get up and start preaching. She would just lay on the ground groaning. She'd be like, oh, Abba, Abba. And I'm sitting there going like, well, somebody better start preaching or something because I'm getting really uncomfortable. Jesus, are you the one or should I expect another? <laughs> And so, you know, like Heidi does, she eventually gets up on her knees and starts going, Abba. And I'm just, everybody's undone, right? Because you're like, you just feel the presence of God and you're like, I need Jesus. Not me, but everybody else was. And so she, at some point, like she does, she says, anybody that feels called to missions and to burn for Jesus, come on up. So, of course, half the whole room runs up front and surrounds her, laying on the floor all around her, wailing and crying. Why? I don't know, okay? I don't know why, but I'm watching it with these big eyes. And I'm, Jesus, do you? No, I'm just kidding. And so, and so she's walking around, just going, Shandariyatara, Hyundai, Shanda. And she's just praying for him. She doesn't have the microphone at this point because she doesn't care. And, and I'm, I have now moved to the front row because the front row is empty. And my friend Eddie, of course, where would he be? Um, in the middle. And so I... <laughs> I remember seeing Chad Devon at that same meeting in Vacaville too. It's like, and so I'm sitting in the front row in a chair watching it with my popcorn, right? I'm like, this is wild. What is, what? Really? really? And I'm sitting there and I, and I kid you not, I had my journal open 
And I, was, I remember writing it. I mean, I, I don't remember a lot of stuff about my past, but I remember this. I remember writing in my journal, God, I have no idea what's happening right now. But it feels like you. It lo- it, I, think, I, think it's, I think I just said, I think it's you. I didn't have language for this stuff. I was new. I had these eyes. Were, and then I said, I think I want it. I think I want it. And man, I, I, I'm not going to tell you I ran in there and jumped on the pile because I didn't. Um, <laughs> late adopter. Um, but I do now. I do now. Now when I see God moving in a room, I was at a pastor's gathering a few weeks ago and I saw a couple guys on the floor like laughing their heads off and we're all like eating our, eating our dinners. It was like dinner style too. And they're on the floor laughing and everybody's looking over there kind of like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. I'm not watching anymore, I'm in. And I run over there and I dive on top of them because if you don't know this, the fastest way to get God is a pig pile of people that you love. I'm serious. I am dead serious. (laughs) It is the fastest way to encounter God's presence is just dive on a pig pile of people already encountering God. Anyway, I I just made a decision a long time ago to put the popcorn away. I just really did. I I just made a decision in my heart. I'm not going to be offended by what I see. And if I really want more of you, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and I'm going to dive on that pile or the proverbial pile. So don't, oh, my iPad's dead. All right, no big deal. Um, no more notes. <laughs> they didn't help me too much. Um, so the first one was don't be offendable. Having a place of offense in your heart towards what you see because you don't understand it is the silliest thing to do when we're talking about God. You will not understand God a lot of the times. He is a deep, deep mystery of divine goodness. He is, his love is wide. How many of you guys have felt the edges of his love yet? None of you. Don't raise your hand. We have yet to explore the massiveness of his love, his compassion, his power, I remember one, one prophet said that we have only seen one-tenth of the power that was poured out on Pentecost. I think it was Bob Jones. And that humbled me. I'm like, wait, what? Not even 10% of that? Like, there should be more than that, but we're still on 10%. Listen, there's so much of God we still haven't experienced. We don't understand it. So to even be offended by something we don't understand is just straight silly. And so if you're going to run in this house, if you're going to be part of this family, we all need to be on one accord that we're going to choose to have a pure heart. And a pure heart is one that chooses not to be offended. Do not be offended on account of me. Look for the fruit. Does this feel good? Here, here, let me give you a little tip. If you're having a hard time with manifestations, and I'm not saying you guys are, but if you are, I used to look at stuff and I'm like, <laughs> that's in the flesh, right? Come on, we can, we're, that's what we say when we're, we're pretty sure that's not God. That's the flesh, right? That, that's not the Lord. Look at that. That laughter is not Jesus' laughter. That's something else. Or that, they're, they're rolling on the ground. I don't know what that is. Listen, I did that one time and, and I remember God asked me, he says, well, what if, what if it was 10% me? 
and 90% flesh. But that was 10% more than they had yesterday. You see, how many of you guys would love 10% more God right now? Maybe to experience him in your life, have him flowing through. Obviously, we have all of him right now. That's my theology. But to experience that and to see it motivated. 10% more? Would you laugh a little louder for that? Yeah, I would. Would you look a little sillier for that? I think I would. Especially in this room, right? (laughs) Ken, good company there. You see, what if it was 5% more? Would you judge him? Would you be offended by this woman, by this guy? You know, I, I hear stories all the time of someone getting up out of their chair and coming over and dancing in worship. And maybe it looks like not the most like professional dancing style, right? But then I find out that that was the first time they'd done that in 20 years. And I'm like, yes, God, everybody gets to dance. I don't care what it looks like. Everybody gets to dance. Now, you don't get to dance on stage, so don't get any ideas, all right? Like you get to, but you get to dance, right? You get, to, you, get to be, you get to be Jesus. If you want to yell in the back, like yell and, and tell, maybe someone tells you to quiet down. But, my point is, we have to let ourselves experience 10% more of God and not be afraid if this is part of your flesh coming up that wants attention because that's usually the other part of it. But it's okay, because there's 10% God. And we're getting better at not needing the attention. Don't be offendable. The next one is, uh, I'm pretty sure it's be hungry, right? Get hungry. It says, uh, ah, see all of my scriptures I was going to use. Oh, my phone. Just because I love you, I'm going to wait. Okay, here we go. So, John 7, yeah, is, this is what Jesus, Jesus is saying. This. this is on the last and greatest day of the feast. Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For everyone who believes in me, as the scriptures had said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Listen, in the kingdom, in the kingdom to get hungry, you have to feast. Come to me who are thirsty. In, in the natural world, you get hungry by what? By not eating, right? By, by, by like, like skipping breakfast or lunch. You're like, oh, I got hungry. Good, good, good. <laughs> Heidi Baker actually has said this one time about fasting. She says, I, don't, I, don't, I, I fast to get hungry, which that's Heidi. She can do that. My point is that when you read the Bible, do you fall more in love with it? But when you don't read it, you kind of forget about it. You kind of forget how powerful it is. At least for me, I think a lot of people this way is, is when you start to pray more, when you pray, you, you gain a heart for prayer. If you're not praying, it's easy to be like, well, it's not that powerful. But when you read your word and you give it, and you give it time and you give it a place, you get more hungry for the word. If you want to see more miracles in your life, you have to start doing miracles. You have to start praying for people. You have to actually do it. And when you start doing it, imagine you're going to get more hungry. One of the hungrier people that I saw in my, in my early years was Chris Kildosher. Around the same time with my friend Eddie, I met Chris, and he invite, introduced me to Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit wants to be my friend and wants to talk to me. And here's what just blew my mind with Chris is, is we'd be driving along, or he would tell me about him, he would be driving along, and he was so excited to see God do something miraculous. He had never been up to Reading or any kind of ministry school. He just heard the stories in his heart. 
And so he would see someone on the side of the road with crutches and he would pull the car over and he would run out and pray for them. I see that. I'm like, I want to do that, God. And so I'm like, yeah. And so I'm driving along and I see some of the crutches. And I'm like, yeah, Chris would totally pull over right now. <laughs> and I would keep driving. And so <laughs> but my, my heart was so pure. I was like, oh, I want that, Jesus. But I'm an early, I'm a late adopter. And so I needed, I needed some more growth. I need some more. I need, I need to get over fears. I need to get over that. And that's okay, because here I am doing scary stuff. I'm doing stuff that I used to think was scary. It's not scary anymore. But you got to be hungry. And the way you get hungry is, is you feast. You thirst and you drink. So I just want to encourage us. One, stay unoffendable. Don't let offense come in. Don't try to judge what's God or what's not God, whether it's good worship or bad worship. Eh. I used to do that. It doesn't produce any fruit unoffendable. Stay hungry. Don't disconnect from the source. Stay connected to God. Read his word. Worship. Go to meetings. Stay hungry. I don't really love conferences. I've been to a lot of them. I've been to a lot of them, and I don't love them. I don't. I'm just being vulnerable with you guys. I don't love conferences. I want to hang out with my family more, or I'd rather hang out with Howard and worship with him alone at our house or whatever. Do you get me? But every time I go to a conference, I get hungry. I get hungry because I'm, I'm, I'm choosing to get around places that are different than me. I remember I went to the Power and Love Conference. Didn't really want to go, but I love Todd and I love what they bring. And I love a few of our people that were going. So we all went together. And I kind of went a little begrudgingly. I'm like, ah, I don't really love conferences. But I went there and I got hungry. I listen to Michael Koulianos. You guys hear him preach that night? And, and, and he's talking about Jesus. And he's talking about the, the relationship that he has with Jesus. And I'm glued listening to him talk about Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, I need you in my life more. And I got hungry, guys. Listen, our personalities are what they are. Don't let them be an excuse for not pursuing God. Right? Because some of those people are like, I love conferences. They're wonderful. I go to as many as I can. And that's not wrong. I'm just not that guy. But I know that to be hungry for me, it looks like getting around hungry people. I'll go to Gospel House because I got to get around these young people that are just like fiery. Right? I get to lead worship at, at, at VCC in a couple of weeks with my friend Ryan Hewlett. I say yes to that because that makes me hungry to lead worship with my friends and around new places. Like, Stay hungry. Whatever it takes. Don't be offended at conferences like I am. Just run after God. But don't go to all the conferences unless Jesus tells you to. Follow Jesus around. Sometimes your conference is in your room with the door shut. That's a great conference to attend. Get alone with him and dance with him. See what happens. All right. Don't judge me. I love, I love everything that the body of Christ is doing. All right. The last thing is, so be unoffendable, stay hungry, um, and stay, the word I want to use is different than I, what is it? Stay curious. Thank you, Tim. You should be my note taker. Stay curious. Proverbs 25, 3, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal things. 
But the glory of kings is to search things out. If you're not curious about God, there's a good chance you're in a really comfortable place. If you're, if you're not wondering about what more there is, there's a chance you've come to a place of comfort. See, Jesus pointed to the children. He pointed to the kids and says, don't, don't keep them from me. He says, this is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like children. You have to actually become like a children to even see the kingdom. You have to have the, the childlikeness, the, 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 the curiosity. And, and that's part of what, what maybe makes me go to conferences still is I'm like, well, I wonder what God's going to do if I show up. That's what I think, just so you know. I don't think about like, oh, I'll get in the anointing of this person, although that's not wrong. But I think about what's God going to do if I show up, Right? Every Sunday morning, I'm like curious. God, what are you going to do? This? What are you going to do? What are you gonna, is something to levitate this morning? That would be cool. I've never seen that before. I've heard about it. How many of you guys ever want to see? How many of you guys do not want? No, never mind. All right. I'm like, I'm like processing all these pastoral thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I want to see someone levitate. Do I want to see salvations more? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm, I am fascinated with the parts of God that we've only heard about. You know, Francis of Assisi, you know, it's like preach the, preach the gospel with words. And if you have to, um, oh, preach the gospel with action if you have to use words. I think he said that, right? Do you know that he, he was accused of talking to animals, conversing with him? That there's actually stories of him talking to wolves. Don't be offended. All right, don't go there. Don't flip that switch. That's, <laughs> he was, that, was, that was a gift of tongues. My point is, like, we've heard of this stuff, but we've forgotten. Like, we know, nobody talks about talking to animals anymore. Why not? Maybe you get to be the first one. I want to talk to animals. You guys want to talk to animals? I want to talk to animals. Don't want to do it more than seeing salvations? No. So that's not the point. The point is that God and I are doing this life together and he wants to share things with me. He, he wants to hide things for me to find. So if he wants to teach me how to preach on a level that I've never imagined, he's, oh, he's welcome to show me that. If he wants to teach me how to do words of knowledge that I've never imagined being able to do, he's hidden that for me, not from me. But I'll never see it if I'm not curious. If there's not a wonder in your heart to see the things of God nobody has seen before. And some of us are late adopters. Sorry, I don't mean to be hitting this, but it's the majority of us. Some of us, you have to read in a book first. Some of us, you have to hear about the things happening. I read the book, um, God's Generals, before I ever went any ministry school. And I started reading about John Alexander Dowie. 1904, he would stand in front of the World's Fair and start his own healing meeting right there at the entrance of the World's Fair by himself. You know who came to it? Nobody. But he did it again, and he did it again, and he did it again, because he's an early adopter, not me. He's, that's what he would do, right? And one day, God starts showing up, and people getting healed, and that crowd starts to form, and this form, and now it's a thing they talk about in books. And, and actually, he actually ticked off the city of Chicago so much that all the cops were against him, trying to shut him down and do legislature and sue him for healing people and doing all this other stuff. But God came in and turned it all around because he stayed pure and true. And it, and it wasn't before long when all the cops actually, um, I don't, they were for him. And he had no problems. 
to the point where he would, he would, he would pack out a 6,000-person auditorium every week in Chicago and do healing miracles. And it was because of John Alexander Dowie that John G. Lake visited one of his healing homes and gets on fire for the healing ministry because he was a physician and he loved healing. And he found out about this. John G. Lake goes to um, uh, Africa with no money, sees crazy stuff happen. He would literally have a line of people going into his house that were sick. He'd pray for them and they would leave the back door healed. And his, and his wife would take the people that were a little bit harder cases and needed some emotional stuff. He le- John G. Lake left Mozambique, went to Spokane, Washington, started the healing rooms, and was declared after some years the, the healthiest city in the country by the government. In fact, there was over 100,000 documented miracles. Listen, guys, like, this is God. Get hungry for it. If you don't know about it, get around people who do know about it. Did you know the Jesus movement, one of the greatest movements of our time, that we've been alive, or not, some of us have been alive. uh, It was started, it was was catalyzed by uh, a hippie man that had sexual orientation issues. That someone gave him the mic. Right? Like, this happened. John, he gave him the mic and freaking blew up. But if you're, un- if you're offendable, if you're looking and judging every little thing of God that shows up, you'll never see it. And we'll just have normal church. Which sounds boring to me. So, be unoffendable, stay hungry, and stay curious. Stay curious. And if we can do that as a family, guys, there's nowhere we can't go. Like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, we're going to do stuff that nobody's dreamed about doing. We're going to see miracles people are going to think about, and they'll be like, well, who's that? That's Jesus. That's my Jesus. Really? How did you guys get there? We weren't afraid. We weren't afraid to sit in uncomfortable silence when someone says, someone here has neck pain. I'm going to wait until that person stands up. And we wait. And we wait. And all I'm thinking is someone raised their hand. For the love of God, someone stand up. Because <laughs> it gets nervous. You're like, huh? Did he hear right? Did he not hear right? I don't know. But I'm curious what God's about to do. And I'm not offended if nothing happens because I know God's good and we're taking risk and we're going places we've never been before. Amen. So as a church, like I promise you, I hope we get offended in here and we let it go. I hope you get pushed out of your comfort zone because we need a comforter. And I hope we stay really curious because that's how I know we're going to see things we've never seen before as a church. Why don't you guys stand with me? I just want to have some God right now. If you have to leave, I get it. Um, um, actually, if you, if you have kids in the kids' church, really, would you go and, and, and grab them? You can come back. Um, for just a couple more minutes, I really want to provide a place for us just to experience his presence instead of just hearing a message and leaving. That would feels awkward to me. So I'm just going to worship a little bit. Yeah, God, we love you. We love you, God. We love you. And just just pray right now. Put something on your lips that just, God, make me hungry.
Give me a hunger. Show me how to eat so that I can be hungry. Keep me, keep me curious, Father. Father, heal the places in me that are offended, that have been hurt by past manifestations, that have been hurt by things that seem like the flesh. I let those go right now. In Jesus' name, let those things go right. Any place where you've been hurt by the church, by the, by the Pentecostal church, a charismatic church, or whatever church, whatever person maybe didn't represent Christ very well, just let that stuff go right now. Free your heart up to be pure. It is unforgiveness that keeps us in bondage. Just become really, really repentant. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.